You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Well, so it's so nice to have the lights on because now I can actually see you. So just if you're planning on falling asleep and stuff, just know I can see you. So when the light's off, I usually don't see you. I just see, but now I can actually see you. So just, you know, be aware. (laughs) God bless you. Good morning, everybody. So good for us to be together and to worship God together. So so we've been talking about prayer. Uh, This is week five now, I think it is. We've been... um, trying to just discuss a little bit about this beautiful gift that God has given us, this way to to commune with Him, this way for us to hear His voice and know for us to know that He hears us. Um, It's such a beautiful gift that He's given us. And so we've been talking about that a bit. And before we continue today with the last of the biblical characters, so what we've been doing, we've been looking at different characters in the Bible, looking at their lives, their stories, and saying, so well, how, how does uh, David's story, for example, and in today's case, uh, Paul, how does Paul's story um, speak to my story? How can I learn from him? Uh, and how can God use his story to, to speak into my story? Uh, so we've been speaking about prayer. Uh, but before I get to Paul, I uh, just really want to acknowledge the fact, you know, that we, we have a, um, a group of prayer warriors in our church. And, I, and, and you know who you are. And I want you to know that, that I know who you are. But more importantly, God knows who you are. Um, and we have a group of prayer warriors in our church. And I want to say to the rest of us, really, this church stands on the shoulders of these prayer warriors. It really does. And I want to thank you for your commitment. I want to thank you for, for faithfully on Monday nights just coming together and praying for, uh, for God's work in each and every heart and life here. For praying for me and Johan and the elders. Um, I know that you do so. And I, and I want to thank God for you. Um, and of course, then the, the invitation and the challenge is to say to you that on Monday nights, say, this group of, of prayers come together. Um, Why don't you join them? Come and join on Monday Night Prayer. We've got a little video um, that says just that. Have Have a little look at this. Prayer is our lifeline to God. Prayer is important for a Christian. Jesus prayed very often, and he taught his disciples how to pray. And he taught them to never lose hope, but persist in prayer. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And we desire Crossroads to be this house of prayer for and by all nations. In our prayer teams, we pray for God to intervene in situations because we believe He wants to do that. But we also realize that through prayer, 
he is busy transforming our hearts and our minds so we become the answer to God's prayer for the world, that people may know him through the love that we have for one another. The Monday Night Prayer is a weekly event. We're a pretty steady group, but everyone is welcome to join, and many people do. We often have guests from different ministries and occasionally host teaching nights with a speaker. We pray as well as worship together and try to build each other up. It's fun and life-giving. The emergency prayer chain is a first response prayer team in case of emergencies. We receive phone calls and messages almost every day. A team of Crossroaders prays right away. We're joining our faith to whatever crisis people are going through and we ask God to intervene and comfort. The service prayer team prays for church members after the Sunday service. Whether in response to the message or because of something else in life, we are praying for God to help and for Him to touch people's hearts. We try to encourage people in their faith and often hear stories of God answering prayers. And so the invitation really is for you to come and join us on a Monday night. Perhaps consider joining the uh, service prayer team or the emergency uh, prayer team as well. And we'd love uh, to see you uh, and join in and pray with us. Okay, so the Apostle Paul, uh, that's, that's where we're at today. It's also the last one uh, for today. And, and I think it's an appropriate way to end the sermon series. So by the way, I hope you've enjoyed the series. I've enjoyed it. Um, I hope that the um, daily devotions have at, at least just been a way to keep your mind and heart focused on this idea of prayer and that God has used it to just speak to you. And um, so I hope it's been me uh, meaningful. So the Apostle Paul is where we're at today as we wrap it up. A good way to end the series, because I think what we discussed, okay, let me first say this. So it was on, it was on the road to Damascus, which um, Damascus, by the way, side note, fun fact for the day, Damascus is the, the oldest uh, continuously inhabited city in the world. Fun fact. Right. Um, so on the road to Damascus that this Jewish rabbi by the name of Saul uh, was on his way to um, Damascus to go and persecute, to go and arrest uh, some followers of Jesus. Now, he, uh, also fun fact, he was kind of similar to Jesus' age. They were born around the same time, maybe five or so years after Jesus. But Paul was kind of of a similar age. Um, and so this Jewish rabbi Saul is on his way to, to Damascus to go and... Um, uh, going to arrest some followers of Jesus. Now, he'd already been to Jerusalem. Uh, we read this in uh, Acts, um, is it Acts 8, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where he oversaw the persecution and execution of Stephen. So he then got permission from the high priest to continue this. Uh, this was his life's mission, to, 
to, to persecute the followers of Jesus. And he'd gotten permission from the high priest to go to Damascus and continue on his mission to go and arrest some followers of Jesus. And so this is what he was doing. He was on his way to Damascus to do this when there was this moment, this encounter with Jesus, this, this flash of lightning, and he's blinded, and he doesn't know what's going on, and he's falling to his knees, and he, and, he, and he hears this voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He goes, who is this? What's happening? Who is this? And he hears this voice, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He's instructed to continue to Damascus, but to wait there to go to a house and to wait there. At the same time, God speaks to one of uh, the followers of Jesus, um, Ananias. And he speaks to Ananias. He says, look, go to this place. There's going to be a guy there, and I want you to tell him about God. And I think probably, in all likelihood, the same guy that Saul went to go and persecute and arrest, probably. So God says, okay, you come and you go and speak to him and you tell him about me. Tell him about Jesus. And, and this is what he does. Anyway, so the story goes on. Uh, Saul just, he encounters Jesus. He gives his life to God and he surrenders and uh, he becomes a follower of Jesus. Um, and his eyes are opened, he can see, and now he has a new life mission. And so we now, and his name changes from Saul to Paul. And now we have this guy who, who was, you know, Christianity before was just, well, really kind of a Jewish small sect, really. And Paul was one of those characters instrumental in, in Christianity becoming what it is today, taking it into world. He wrote 13 out of the 27 New Testament books in your Bible. Um, and really was this key instrumental uh, figure in kind of being responsible in some way for you and I even being here today. So I think we can learn a thing or two about prayer from Paul. The thing about prayer and Paul is as you read his letters, you come Here's what I've discovered, and that's why I think this is a good way to end. And, and, and I've learned so much from this, and this has been meaningful for me, and I want to just share this with you. When it comes to Paul and prayer, it's not just, we discover quickly, it's not just stuff that Paul said. It's not just stuff that he taught. You come to discover quickly that it's how he lived from a place of a certain belief, and we're going to talk about that belief, he believed something. In fact, how Paul understood prayer and how he prayed comes from his philosophy of living. His philosophy of, of how he understands his existence, his life, and how he used to live this life, and saying, this is how I live, and because this is how I live, this is how I pray. And because this is how I pray, this is how I live. And so it's not just Paul talking about prayer. It's Paul's prayer life and understanding is wrapped up in his philosophy of living. So when we talk about Paul and prayer, I actually want to give to you how I see Paul understanding how to live. 
And it's actually quite simple. It's based on three movements. Well, two movements, and then one, the third one, is the consequence, the fruit, the gift. And it's been so enriching to me again, to my soul. Okay, this is how I want to live my life. And then as a consequence, how I will pray. That's what we discover with Paul when we talk about Paul and prayer. How to live your life. Reflected then in how we pray. Okay, and so we can summarize Paul's understanding of prayer and life and how to live it and how to approach it in one word. One key word. Anyone want to guess it maybe? Come on. It's, uh, I'm going on holiday next week. So th- this is like, you know, this is a fun sermon for me uh, because my mind's like on holiday. Um, anyone wants to guess it? Okay, that's a good guess, but no. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. If you look at Paul's teachings, the way he, he approached life and living and prayer is centered around this at the heart of it, this word, this understanding, Thanksgiving. We saw it in, in, in just how he lived, and I'm, I'm going to give you an example. We saw it in his letters, in his teaching. In his letters, for example, right? Let's have a look. Uh, Ephesians. He writes this in Ephesians. He, he begins Ephesians essentially in this way. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. You see, thanksgiving and his understanding of prayer intertwined. You can't talk about prayer and Paul and not talk about thanksgiving. So he says, I have, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. That's, that's Ephesians. Philippians, same thing. He says, I thank my God for you as I remember you in my prayers. He does the same thing with the Colossians, the Corinthians, the Thessalonians, the Romans. The only exception was the Galatians because he was a bit, you know, annoyed with them. In his teachings, I mean, Colossians 2 verse 7, it says, Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with, Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, however you pray, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, uh, of the Lord Jesus, what? Giving? Thanks to God the Father through Him. Thanksgiving was at the center of how He saw life, how to live how to pray. Essentially, what Paul teaches about prayer is saying to pray is to give thanks. I want to read this. Okay, I'm going to give you three texts today. If you, if you take notes, I encourage you to take notes. If not, well, I still encourage you to do so. Get your cell phone out and write this down. I'm going to give you three texts because Paul's philosophy of living on how to live life is based on these three texts, these three movements. Here's And we can see it illustrated in, here's the first day, Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, and here we see these three movements. Let me read it for us first of all. He says about life and how to live it. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every 
situation. Every situation. By what? Prayer and petition. We understand petition to be closely connected to this idea we've been talking about for two weeks. To persist. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with what? Well, there's that word. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And there we have it. Shall we unwrap those few verses? Because those three movements are there and we understand Paul's understanding of life. And this is how I choose to live. Okay. Before we get to that, you might be tempted to think, okay, Paul, it's fine for you to say do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, give thanks. Fine for you to say, Paul, but you don't really know much about stress or the things that I have to deal with in life, Paul. What do you know, what do you know about these things? I do, however, as you tempted to think this, I do, however, remind you that Paul was in prison when he wrote that, those words. He'd already been in prison at that time for about three years, and he was awaiting to hear whether or not he was going to be executed or not. And as it turns out, he was led to a guillotine and his head was chopped off. But you're right, he doesn't know anything about stress and hardships in life. Let's unravel this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Prayer and petition, give thanks. So the first thing here is we see that this guy by the name of Saul encountered the living Christ and his life changed. He became Paul, which, by the way, means small but wise. <laughs> just, I, just, I just thought I'd throw it in there. True story. He became Paul, and from that moment, he lived with this unshakable, this unshakable, and here's number one. Trust in God. Okay, so here's the first building block. He trusted God. Trust, trusted God for what? Trusted that? Well, Romans 8, 28. That's your second text. Romans 8, 28. He trusted this unshakably. Trusted that in all things. That's how we saw life. That's how we understood life to work. That in all things, God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So that nothing could change that. No situation, no circumstance, no matter what town he was in or how he was beaten up or arrested or who didn't like him or who called him names or whether he had money or not money or a job or not, whatever. He trusted that in all things, God will work for the good. For those who love him. Trusting God. 
And as then, and here's the second movement then, and as a consequence of that, as, a, as an expression of this trust, he lived with thanksgiving. Thanking God in all things, in all situations. Let me read for you. Here's your next text. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will. So he understood, I'm doing this because this is what God wants. So I trust That in every circumstance, in every situation, God will work for the good. That God has my best interesting heart. That God has the ability and the desire to bend to His will all circumstances that I might come across in life. To redeem, to transform, to bend to his will. In other words, here's how he saw life. In every situation, he lived with the expectation that God is going to do something. Good or bad. That's just how he saw life. That everything, every moment... Every circumstance, there is the opportunity for God to work for the good. And because I firmly believe that, unshakably so, I give thanks. Make sense? I can now give thanks. God, thank you. I really don't want to be in prison, but God, thank you because I know that God works for the good for those who love him, that somehow you're going to take me being in prison and you're going to bend it to your will. Something good is going to come out of it. Something's going to happen. And so I thank you for this. Lord, thank you for this moment. Thank you for, for what you're going to do. And the fruit, here's the third movement or the third thing. The fruit the, the consequence of seeing life this way, living life this way, unshakably trusting that God works for the good. And as an expression of that trust, living with thanks in my heart. The consequence, the fruit, the result, or the gift is living with the peace of God. The peace of God. That's the third piece of the puzzle. Because he did those things, he could live with peace. And peace is not just, if we look at the biblical understanding of peace there, it's not just this warm, fuzzy feeling like, oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm feeling comfortable. You know, I'm feeling at peace. You know, I'm feeling nice about this. No, it's so much more than that. It says it will, it will, guard, it will protect you. It will guard you. It will God, it's like a ring fence around your heart. God's presence, God's peace will protect you against stress and worry and fear and anxiety and depression and those things which come to rob life from me and drain life out of me. God's peace is the thing that will protect your heart and your mind against those things. That is the gift, the consequence, the, the fruit, the result from approaching life with God I trust. that somehow you will bend the situation to your will. And because I really believe this, 
I live with gratitude in my heart always. I live with thanksgiving in my heart. To live from a spirit and a place of just thanksgiving is life-giving. It's transformative. It's peace-giving. That's what Paul teaches us about prayer. And so because that's how he lived, that's how he prayed and how he taught about prayer. And because that's how he prayed, that's how he lived. Those three texts is, is Paul's philosophy for life. And that's expressed in his understanding of prayer and how he prayed. Here's an example of it. In Acts 16, we read the story about Paul and his friend Silas there in Philippi. You know it. They, they go and they're preaching. And there's this girl. Um, uh, she's like a fortune teller. And she's just following them everywhere, just being disruptive, causing drama. And eventually, Paul gets frustrated. And he turns around and he says to her, he says, whatever evil is in this girl, leave in Jesus' name. And she's healed and delivered and is healed and well probably for the first time in her life. Uh, the problem with that, are, and, and she begins to follow Paul and Christ. And um, the problem with that is um, her owners um, that owned her, uh, she was making money for them by telling people's fortunes. So now, they, now she's not making money for them anymore. So they weren't happy with Paul because they kind of, took their what, golden goose or whatever. So they go to the authorities and they said, listen, this Paul and Silas, they trouble, we've got to get rid of them. So Paul and Silas, get they get arrested, stripped naked, beaten, thrown in prison. Acts 16.25. Have you got the, is your imagination engaged? Can you see Paul? In prison, having just been savagely beaten. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were crying, complaining, feeling sorry for themselves, asking, God, where are you? What's Paul's philosophy of living? Trust God unshakably that all things, even when I'm in prison, will work for the good for those who love him. Okay? Because that's what he believed. They were praying and singing hymns to God in prison. It's ridiculous, I know. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Side note, your non-Christian friends are watching you to see how you deal with adversity. Side note. Anyway, so then there's this earthquake. 
and the prison is damaged and the doors are open. And so now the prison guard, he's panicking. You can understand why, because everybody's going to escape and then he's in trouble and his career is ruined and he's going to get fired. He runs to the prison, he gets there and there's Paul and Silas praying and singing hymns, thanking God. Right? Obviously, at peace in prison, not running away. Anyway, they speak to the prison guard, tell him about Jesus. He's converted, his whole family gets baptized. Beautiful story. An illustration of Paul living. And seeing life and everything, every day, Monday, Tuesday, all the way to Friday, Sunday. I trust that whatever the circumstance, God will work for the good for those who love him. And I love him. Because I believe that, I believe that every moment in my life is an opportunity. There's the expectation, an opportunity for God to work. To do something wonderful. And so... My heart's full of thanks. <laughs> Makes sense, right? And I give thanks. And the thing that I get from it, the thing that is the fruit in my life, I can be in prison singing songs. I have peace. And I can live with peace. We see it in Acts 16. This was Paul's life. This was how he lived, how he prayed. Thanksgiving. Even when God did not answer his prayers, you might be tempted to think, well, listen, this is the Apostle Paul. God always answered his prayers. Well, God didn't. 2 Corinthians 12, let me read it for you. It's commonly believed by scholars that Paul was going blind. He was losing his sight. And so to read and write was becoming a problem. And it was an integral part of his life. And so he couldn't do this anymore. And so in 2 Corinthians 12, we read, Paul writes, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So good. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So we're talking about weaknesses here, about the fact that this guy's going blind, if that is, was in fact the thing that was going on in his life. And, and, and I will boast about it. In other words, I will give thanks. Why? Because I trust that all things work for good for those who love So that Christ's power may rest on me, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Why? Because when I'm weak, he's strong. See how it, how it ties into his, just his, I've said it about 10 times now, his whole approach to life. Everything, all the time. Ellen Vaughan wrote a book called Radical Gratitude. Uh, I'm going to quote here. She writes, she says, Thanksgiving is the unsexiest spiritual discipline. 
but developing the habit of constantly whispering thanks to God, no matter the situation, is in fact a mustard seed of life-changing power. And so here's what I Guess what I learned from Paul about prayer? It's like Paul is saying to Paul, Paul, you must develop this habit of constantly whispering in God's ear, thank you. I can thank you because I trust you. My thanks is an expression of my trust and faith in you. God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for this church. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my health. Thank you, God. Thank you for the fact that I cannot run anymore and I've got dodgy, dodgy hips. Thank you, God, because I believe that all things work for the good. That's what I learned from. And he said, because that's what you believe, that's how you're going to pray. And the more you pray that, the more you're going to live that. Yeah, I'm done. The end. It says zero on the clock. I want to pray for us. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Let's pray. Friends, many of us, most of us, in fact, I think, and perhaps you are here today, are very good. Very good. In fact, gifted, some of us, and, and I count myself one of them, gifted in stressing and worrying, being anxious about this and that and whatever. And from that place, I pray. Because that's how I live. That's how I pray. Paul teaches us. And here's my prayer for you and me. That as you go on holiday, those of you who are blessed enough to do so. That you will learn from Paul. And that you will see your life and live your life. God, I trust that you've got this. I trust that all things will work for the good. And because I believe that, I just live with gratitude. I pray that we will live with an immense sense of gratitude towards God. I pray for you. I pray that God will grow. God's spirit in you will, will grow the habit in you of just living thankfully all the time about everything always in everything seeing an opportunity for God to do something to take your weakness and display his strength may this become your choice your philosophy for living and as a result I pray you will know the peace of God.
which transcends understanding. Made God you against fear, worry, stress, anxiety that seek to rob you of joy and hope and love. That's my prayer for each and every one of us. May we live it and pray from that place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.